Hello and welcome to the Geek Guild, a podcast where we talk about all things geek. My name is Alexis and today we're going to be discussing another video game console. In the last episode about consoles, I talked about the Nintendo 64 and how it was in the battlefield with Sega Saturn and PlayStation. So I thought we should explore the Sega Saturn next. It was the least successful of the lot, but I found it to be the most interesting story. So in the early 1990s, Sega and Nintendo were household names. Nintendo had the NES and Sega had the Genesis, and they were basically at a console war for household relevance. We discussed in the previous episode how Sega had released the Saturn and was joined shortly by newcomer Sony with the PlayStation console. But out of the two, Saturn flopped drastically. It only sold 9.26 million units worldwide. So what happened for it to be such a failure? Before the Saturn, there was the Genesis. Sega thought it would be a good idea to expand on the platform, so they created the Sega CD, which was supposed to help the Genesis transition off of cartridges and onto compact discs, or CDs. It was going to provide games that had a higher resolution and more storage space. This sounds great in theory, but the problem that they had was, was only a few games were actually produced for this add-on, causing it to tank. With the flop of the Sega CD trying to save face, they created the Sega 32X, which allowed the 16-bit Genesis to play 32-bit games, in turn bringing the 3D gaming alive in an overall more impressive gaming experience. Well, once again, it sounded good on paper, but it was executed badly. This add-on was just as expensive as the Genesis itself, which, has, which at the time was about $160. And like the Sega CD, very few games were produced for it. Because Sega had plans to make a full-on 32-bit console, the software studios were not sure which console to develop games for, and ultimately decided to pass on developing for the 32X altogether. The Saturn and the Sega 32X eventually ended up being in competition with each other, which is just not a good, you know, business strategy, but who am I to judge? The development for the Saturn was supervised by Sega's director and deputy general manager of research and development, Hideki Sato, who later became president of Sega in 2001 until 2003. The name Saturn was the only code name used during development, and eventually it was its given name. Sega joined a partnership with the electronic company Hitachi to develop a new 32-bit CPU processor for the project's hardware. This new processor was known as the Super H RISC, spelled R-I-S-C. It became the hardware that was used for the Sega Saturn. The Saturn was equipped with two video display processors, which was incredibly powerful for its time. It had its own Motorola sound processor that allowed it to have 32 sound channels, 16 PCM song playing ability, and FM synthesis. It's quite a tongue twister that took a couple tries to get right. A very impressive machine for the 1990s. But here's where it gets a little bit drama-y, kind of like high school. While all this was going on, Sony was in the works of creating the famous PlayStation. Sega heard about Sony's PlayStation that was under development and that had rather impressive 3D processing capabilities. 
They felt threatened by the upcoming release of the PlayStation, so in response, they chose to upgrade the console and try to match the specs that PlayStation was said to have. They added several new processors to help with the polygon texture mapping and to work with the other processors to help with the demand of the 3D graphics. The console was able to produce 140,000 textured polygons per second. For comparison, the PlayStation was able to produce 90,000 per, se per second. This sounds like it should be good news. A more impressive system means better, right? No. But all the new add-ons proved to be detrimental because they made it so difficult to program for. So of course, more bad news for Sega. The Saturn was released on November 22, 1994 in Japan and sold through the first shipment of 200,000 units in just a single day. And part of this initial success is credited to Sega's popular arcade game, Virtua Fighter. It had a version available for the new console, and the game sold on a ratio of nearly 1 to 1, meaning that almost everyone who had a Sega Saturn also had a copy of Virtua Fighter. The other game available at the time of release was called Wind Chai Connection, and from what I could find, it was just like a bunch of pictures with some text underneath it. I'm not really sure what the purpose was, but if anyone has played that, please let me know, because I'm pretty curious. After selling through the first round of units, Sega decided to wait to release another shipment until after the December 3rd release of the Sony PlayStation, which, while it was a risky move, it actually paid off for Sega as the high demand for the anticipated release of more Unix actually caused Saturn to initially pass PlayStation in Japan, originally with over half a million units sold to PlayStation's 300,000. So it all seemed to be going well. They had some new games about to release, and then they were planning the US release, which was announced to be for... Sorry. All seemed to be going well. They had some new games about to be released, as well as the fact that Tom Kalinske, the president of Sega of America, announced that in March of 1995, the console would be released to the states in September of that year. However, wanting to try to stay ahead of the PlayStation and with the success of Japan's release, Sega of Japan demanded that the release be moved forward. And this was the fatal mistake by the company. At the May 11, 1995 E3 event, Tom Kalinske gave a presentation about the new Saturn, giving details about the specs, the capabilities of the console, and announced the intended price, which was $399. To put that in perspective, that is equivalent to roughly $750 today, which was quite a pretty penny. Then came the bombshell. In a surprising twist to his speech, he announced that due to the high demand and the success of the Japanese release, 32,000 consoles have already been shipped to retailers and stores for immediate release. This was a surprise to everybody. Everybody. Because in, they were expecting the September release. Instead of consumers being excited about the surprise release like Sega had hoped for, they and the retailers were actually really angry. 
Places like Best Buy and Walmart actually criticized Sega for not warning them of these plans. In fact, retailers were so angry with the company that one of the biggest sellers of video games in the country at the time, KB Toys, actually dropped Sega from their stores completely. And to add salt to the wound that was inevitably forming during the same E3 event, the head of Sony Interactive Entertainment, Steve Race, calmly walked up to the podium and said, $2.99, and proceeded to walk back to his seat. I wish I could witness that power move firsthand. I actually pulled up a clip of it, and it was just like a mic drop moment. It was legendary. Combined with the ill-received news, the high price tag, and the fact that only six games were available with the launch, people were not rushing out to snag the console like Sega had hoped. The Sony PlayStation was released in September with a more impressive lineup of games like Wipeout and Ridge Racer, and despite being released four months after the Saturn, it had actually outsold the Saturn completely in just a matter of days. Now, here come some more juicy bits. What makes this ironic is the fact that Sony and Sega almost teamed up. After the fall of the Sega CD add-on, the Sega US President Tom Kalinske actually proposed the idea to develop the next console in partnership with Sony. This way, the two companies could split the cost and have a powerhouse console. Sony was known to be good with CDs, which was the future for video games, so it seemed like a fairly smart idea. However, the Japanese Sega headquarters shot the idea down because while they would be losing money, on each next generation sold, they planned to make all the profit off the games instead, which they had more experience producing than Sony. They saw this idea as more benefiting to Sony than them, so they completely disregarded the proposal, and Sony, as we all know, went on to make their own console anyway, and ultimately aiding in the downfall of Sega. After all this, that must have been quite a slap to the face for Sega Japan. It didn't take long for Sega to fall, with the console being so hard to program for, it meant less games, the anchored retailers did not want to push sales, and with the release being moved up for months by surprise, there was little to no advertisement for the console. All of this equates to the only 9.26 million units sold, and then the 90s video games console war, Sega lost. It was a hard lesson learned for Sega, I'm sure but they never fully recovered. But the legacy still lives on, and most people know who Sega is, just not necessarily the Saturn console itself. Well, that was the story of the Sega Saturn, and I hope that you enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Geek Guild. If you have questions or suggestions, you can email us at geekguildquestions at gmail.com, or check out our Facebook page, The Geek Guild. And as always, keep geeky. I'm going to end this episode with a pun. Why don't gamers play Sega games backwards? It takes ages.